All right, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while. Took a little holiday break, did some vacationing, and back into the studio now. And from afar, I have my guest today, somebody that I've been very excited to get onto the podcast, just somebody I regard as one of my brothers just in life, and not only just somebody that I'm excited to speak to, regardless if it's on the podcast or not. It's always a good time when we get together. I got Coach A.T. Turner here currently an assistant strength coach at the Ohio State University. Yeah, you, you, you definitely have to say it correctly. Is that, and I find that out quickly. If you don't say the in front of Ohio State, like that's a big deal. So, <laughs> so AT just <laughs> moved over to a house, uh, the Ohio State. Sorry, I don't want to mess it up either. Um, so how long, like you've been there just for a few weeks now. Yeah, this is literally going on week three for me. Literally going on week three. So I got here probably at the beginning of January, uh, and we literally went right to work, like straight away. Yeah. Uh, we had the mid-years enrolling, um, which is like a lot of those freshmen that come in, some of the transfers that, that come in now nowadays with like the NIL and transfer portals. Like we had some of those guys come in, and we trained them for about a week. And then this is week two now of the offseason. So we're, we're rolling. We're right here in the thick of it. Nice. Like it. So – we're going to start off with how the hell we even know each other, and we'll just go from there. I usually, when I talk to people, I have show notes. AT is one of those guys. I don't need show notes. He and I are going to have a great conversation regardless. It's always a good time. Um, AT actually was one of the first group of people that I ever trained like as a strength and conditioning coach. So my journey is after I – college I went back to my old high school and the first thing I did is like I just wanted to train athletes and I wanted to get my foot somewhere where I could do that and I thought the easiest thing to do would be go back to my old high school and just see if there was something available there was I was able to be the strength and conditioning coach for the football team and for the track team um, and then also help out coaching being assistant coach on the football team so I got to spend a lot of time and AT was one of those kids that was out there running around trying to figure out how to play football and try to work his way into the weight room and figure out what to do in there. Uh, and that's how AT and I met. And then like, I'm, I know my experience of it, but it's not about me on this episode. So we'll talk uh, to AT here. Uh, I'm, we've talked about this a little bit just over the years, you and I, but what was that experience like having somebody come in? And cause like, I know the situation before it was just, Coach Letton, just go into the weight room and do whatever you want. So what was that experience like on your end being, what were you, 14, 15? Yeah, I was 14. That would have been freshman, sophomore year. Yeah. Uh, is when you would have been there. So, like, the cool thing for me, like, when I was there was I was just freshman, sophomore, first year of high school, like, still trying to figure things out, not fully developed. I mean, I was probably like 5'2", but 15, but 20, maybe, like, soaking wet. <laughs> But the cool thing about it was, was, like, you were obviously, like, you know, you went to our high school, you graduated from Franklin Pierce, and a lot of the things that I was aspiring to get to, like, you had already achieved. So, like, we already had that connection because, like, I was so enamored with sports, um, primarily with baseball then, but really towards the tail end of my high school career is when I really started to get into football. But, like, I was already enamored with just the person that you were. So, like, that's how we easily got connected. So, for me, seeing you every single day, watching you train, watching your determination, watching your passion, um, and seeing how 
really good of an athlete you were and how strong you were and how physical you were, it really just kind of motivated me to kind of have those same goals. Um, just because like every single person that I competed against, sure, I might have been faster than them. Um, but like I said, I was only about 5'2", five, 5'3", five, wasn't very tall. So I had to make up for it in other ways. So the way that we connected initially was, you know, by you being my strength coach. Um, and so my thing was, is wherever you went, like I was going to follow you around like a sponge. Um, and so whether it was med ball Wednesdays that we did or whether it was pushing sleds or uh, watching one, another one of the athletes, his dad run the, the, the overspeed trading court. <laughs> you know what story I'm talking about. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. If it was watching him do the overspeed cord like we did, like that, that, like that's that was my first involvement in training. And the thing about it was, is you made it so fun because originally, like it was literally just a high school kid just watching you train yourself. Yeah. Because obviously, like your playing career for the most part was done. If I'm not mistaken, like was it over then? Like I think you had a couple other tryouts afterwards. Yeah, and then I went the arena route real shortly and didn't end up liking that, so I didn't stick yep. with it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so I was still career. so much. I was still very much into that training aspect and still training like I was going to continue to play. I just you you did catch me at that tail end. Exactly. So collegiate career was over. Yep. But still, the interest in training to still develop your body to still do what it never whatever endeavor you, you wanted to do, which on that end would have been arena, which we found out we didn't like. And then all the other things that you wanted to do later on. Okay. But for me, it was seeing like you train by yourself and it's like, all right, well, this dude, this passionate about what he does, how can I get to that? So then I started training with you. I saw a lot of results from that. And pretty soon it was like the entire team just like hopping in and training with you. Um, and so we had a group, um, it, and it, I mean, it was an awesome training environment, just like dudes, high school dudes, just lifting weights, squatting, benching, running. I mean, like that was our environment. And it was so awesome for me because that's kind of what fueled my passion for what I do now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was the first ever spark that I had had in sport performance. And it kind of led me to where I am on the road today. So that's awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think one thing looking back on it, a, a big reason, and maybe it could be viewed as negative or positive, depending on the situation. But I was also like close in age to you guys. I wasn't, you know, a forty-year-old guy just training and coaching. I think, like you said, like seeing me train and put in the work is what, like, not only you, like, like you said, we ended up having like a solid group. Guys would show up twice a day in the summer and we would train after oh. practice and we had like we had a system where it's like these guys would come in and they knew that it was like all right we're gonna put in work but like you said we're gonna have a lot of fun um one thing that i tried to do and i want to get your opinion on this was create an atmosphere in that weight room or if we were out on the track or on the field or whatever we were doing that day and it was it was a fun loose atmosphere but it was also like we're not going to take any shit and I'm not going to take any shit specifically and make sure that like the people that show up are going to put in the work and get result. And like, that was one thing, like even to this day, I remember the, the thing was, was like, it doesn't matter like what you want to do when you show up, but you show up like yep. there's no skipping days. Like if you don't feel like you want to train, just show up and be there because that's the crew. Yep. And 
I would say that that's exactly it. Like the people that were involved in that group that we had, those were the guys that never really missed a day. And if you missed a day, like best believe that we were all talking about it. Like we held each other accountable. Like obviously like you were graduated and you were out of school, but like the rest of us still went to school. Yeah. So like we still saw each other in the hall, going to lunch and PE class, like literally every single day. So if you weren't there, it was like, dude, like why, why weren't you at weights the other day? Like, why weren't you training with Blaine? Like, what the heck? Like I was there, like we're PR like we're doing this. Like we had, like you created an environment to where it's like, all right, not only are we just training and we're being around each other, but we're being taught life skills, like be accountable, like mm. discipline, like structure, like all those different things through training and through training with you, we kind of learned. Um, and it's different if you're a kid and you're just going to school, like those mechanisms aren't always in place. But when you have a group of people that are all achieving the same goal or at least want the same goal and it's a positive environment, like I can still remember the day we had the kid, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. <laughs> well, when you started and that was literally the first story that popped in my head was the story. And I probably shouldn't say his name. But, I mean, for all we know, it's the actor Tom Cruise. Like, we're just going to say the actor Tom Cruise. But we had this kid, and God bless him. Like, <laughs> I can't even remember if he was skipping reps or he showed up late or something like that. Next <laughs> thing you know, like, he's, like, screaming. Like, he's, like, pissed. And I just hear him say, you know what, Blade? <laughs> He's just like, you know what, Blade? I don't hate people, but I hate you. You're not even family-oriented or something like that. And here's why. And here's why. It's not just because you were being a dickhead. Like, it's not. It's because I guarantee you, like, you held us accountable in ways that, like, most high school kids aren't being held accountable. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's what makes, like, looking, like, when you're in that moment and you're and you're being disciplined by someone and, and for us, as close as we were, like, we were really good friends and we're even better friends today. But when you're being disciplined by someone that you're close with, that's hard. Those are hard conversations. Yes. And when you're 14, 15, six years, 16 years old, you don't know how to handle those hard conversations. Yeah. So that's why it looks like an outlash when you're a kid. But when you're older and you look back on the situation, that's accountability. Yeah. Like that's discipline. Like those are the types of things that when I have kids, like I want to teach my kids. Yes. Like all those different things that you taught us to show up when you're supposed to show up, to be on time, to work hard, uh, regardless of your situation. Like it, it doesn't matter. Get better. Like all those different things we learned and we've learned that through you. Um, such an awesome environment, such an awesome environment. Yeah. We had some, we had a lot of fun in that weight room too. I actually had a memory I, I, pop up. I can't remember. It was like a month, maybe two months ago. Remember the the like wiffle balls, those plastic balls we had hanging from the ceiling. So oh, yeah. that was yeah. just like oh, that yeah. was like a an everyday challenge. It was it, they were so I, what I did was I got a ladder, I hung a ball at ten feet, I hung a ball at like ten foot six, I hung a ball at eleven feet, eleven foot six, and then like the highest one was like eleven foot ten or something like that. Yeah. And I remember yeah, the, telling the kids it was like your your goal is to touch one of these. And like the yep. guys that wanted to try to jump higher and dunk, it was like, we're going to train and just like hit the 10 foot one, then hit the 10 foot six and then just keep going up and up. And we had a lot of fun things like that. I do remember the Tom Cruise story. That was hilarious. It was something like, <laughs> like the, 
looking back on my standpoint, like the environment that I just came out of was we had a strength coach and like we had like 20, 21, 22 year olds where I was at. Yeah. So yeah. we were able to handle that kind of stuff. But it was like, if you showed up a minute late, then you got your ass like ripped. Like the coach was going to get into you for whatever reason, doesn't matter. And so I took that to you guys and he just, like you said, he didn't know how to handle that, even though it was coming from a place where it's like, look, I'm trying to instill these values into right. you. You don't show up late and you don't miss these sessions at all. And he, lash back at me like looking back on it there's probably a better way to go about it but again i was 23 24 years old whatever it was sure. but the other thing and we too were is, kids like and we didn't know how to respond to that right like we were kids too like having someone like tell you what to do and what you, you mean i can't just do whatever i want you mean i can't just show up late like you mean i can't just skip reps like no like be accountable like be disciplined like those are all things that like I'm still trying to coach out of my athletes today. Yeah, exactly. So, like, why not learn it early on in high school like we did <laughs> instead of trying to learn it now? And the one thing the I will say that was, like, extremely positive about this, and it probably didn't hit me until many years later, is yeah. that type of structure for you guys at that young of an age was probably, like, the only part of a lot of those guys' day where they had structure yeah. because the area that we grew up in and like the kids, like a lot of those kids didn't have structured families. And a lot of those kids didn't have an environment where there was strict rules and there was an expectation that was set. So I think a lot of it too is like, that's what had a lot of those kids gravitate towards that area because there was structure to it. There was some sort of and positive environment that was going to be tough on them, but they knew that there was going to make them better. And I think a lot of kids grew out of that as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, where we grew up, I mean, I mean, if you could make it out of Tacoma, I mean, you were doing something. Yes. And you look at a lot of the people that are still living in Tacoma, they're doing the same old things and probably getting into worse things nowadays. And some of my friends that I had back in high school, like, they're not even here anymore. Like, some of them really aren't. Yeah, same. Some of the stuff that they got into. Um, but that's just a product of, the, of what we had. Like, I mean, I remember this is when I was at Ole Miss, we had DK Metcalf swing by because, you know, he graduated from, right. from Ole Miss. So he came through, and obviously he's living like in Bellevue or something like that, like, you know, just right up near Seattle, yeah. somewhere nicer. <laughs> and he asked me where I was from, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm from Tacoma, like, you know, right near, like, Parkland area in there. He's like, oh, Tacoma, I heard about that. That's that's the Compton right there. <laughs> I done heard about that. Good old Tacoma. Like, that's what people call it. Like, yeah, yeah. like, that's that's our area. Like, it's rough. Like, you you got to have thick skin to make it out of Tacoma. Like, you got to you gotta have been through some stuff to make it out of Tacoma. But once you make it out, like... You're a different right. individual, for sure. You're a different individual. But again, you could, if, if you're from where we're from, like, you've gone through something. Like, it's not always the, the easiest way out, so... No, that's 100% true. Yeah, and like you said, like I've got friends from school that are in worse positions than they were back then. I've got friends that aren't here anymore, and yeah, that the, the to Compton is very much a thing for sure. It's <laughs> uh, a real thing. So after high school, like we're, we're going to yeah. try to like go down this journey of how you got to Ohio State um, after high yeah. school. Well, first off, let's, uh, one thing I think that's – Spectacular. I remember you I still remember this day you text me after this game. Give me the stats of the greatest high school game you've ever played. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So literally the last high school football game I'd ever played in. Um, we ended up winning the game. So the way high at least the way it was when I was there, I don't know how the rules have changed. But essentially, if you finish with a positive record, which I think we're around 500, but you don't qualify for like districts or regionals or whatever, you know, the playoffs, you don't make playoffs, right? You get to play a crossover game. And so we played it. We didn't qualify for playoffs. So we ended up playing a crossover game. And so the team we ended up playing, I, I can't even remember the team, the name of the team it was like Cascade High School or something like that. But I ran my final stats, the last high school football game I ever played in. I ran for 349 at 349 rushing yards. Our starting quarterback went down. Our backup quarterback went down. So I had to play quarterback. So this was all wildcat. Like this is all five foot six little AT at this point. Like try to look over the, the line, the offensive line, like try to look over the line of scrimmage. And I'm throwing the ball down the field. So I ran for 349. I threw for another like 150. So I had like 500 and something all purpose yards. And I had eight touchdowns. Seven of them were offensive touchdowns, and I had one pick six. Brought it back to the crib. It was like an 82-yard pick six. I mean, I, rem- <laughs> I remember getting that message from you after that game. Like, you'll never believe what just happened. You start throwing these numbers out of you. I'm like, what are you playing Madden on rookie mode? What's going on over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that team probably had no business in the stadium with us. But I will say, because our quarterbacks went down, I mean, you know Coach T. Coach T was the OC then. Yeah. I mean, he basically scripted the whole offense for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think he basically just said, you know what? We're just going to have fun. We're going to run Wildcat. AT, you're going to run left. You're going to run right. You're going to throw a bubble screen. You're going to throw a little dink and dunk over the top. We're going to get a couple of yards, and we're going to be good. I mean, that was essentially <laughs> our offense that last game. Uh, incredible stats. I remember that to this day. I just, one of the most excited moments of your life. I remember that. <laughs> oh, 100%. And I thought I was like the hottest thing in the world. I was like, oh, let's see what Division One offense is going to roll in now because I had to keep the game. Yeah. And then reality set in and it was like, oh, do you want to go to PLU? Do you want to go to yeah. another D3? But you, you ended up playing football yeah. in college. Where'd you end up going? Yeah, I ended up going to Malone University out in Canton, Ohio, which I currently right now I live in Columbus. So Canton's about, uh, I think it's two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours northeast of where I currently am in Columbus. So it's not far, um, but ended up playing football there all four years. Um, you know, my college coaches were awesome. Um, so I'm still close with all of them today. My wide receivers coach, Coach Blannery, uh, my offensive coordinator, Coach Penner, the head coach, Coach Heyman, know all of them. Loved all of them. Their kids were awesome. They, they coached us well. Um, it was more of a biblical-based, like it was a Christian university, so biblical-based coaching, that was kind of our, our principles on, on how they taught us. So for my experience, like I got to grow, um, not just as an athlete, but spiritually, that was huge for me. I, like I, some of my best friends and my closest relationships are all my buddies that I had, you know, back in, when I played college football, um, still in a group chat with five of them to this day. Um, so played there for four years and that's <clears throat> really once I started to figure out, you know, once my career was over in football that I, you know, wanted to be a strength coach. So, 
and that's where the journey kind of began right yeah. after that. So after after college, you graduated sports science degree, right? Yep, or exercise science. Exercise degree. science. So I I actually have to go back just a little bit backtrack. Um, so senior year last year, I only played one game. Opening kickoff senior year, tore my ACL. Yep, I remember that. Right, horrible. Um, I mean, the, the other team like blew it up, like printed it off, like on their school newspaper. This is what we do to the athletes. They had a big picture of like one of their dudes on kickoff, just like running down and just literally shoulder right into my kneecap. I basically got high load. Like someone hit me low. Another person hit me from behind over the top, like right into the knee. Like I was done. Like there, there was no coming back from that injury. You so had once the, that uh, injury happened. You had the unhappy triad, right? Exactly. So once that injury happened, that's when I kind of figured out, all right, well, it's time to figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life. And just through the whole rehabilitative process, um, I got connected with, obviously, my physical therapist who rehabbed me, but he was also a high school strength coach. Um, so I kind of shadowed him part-time. He was the strength coach at Jackson High School part-time, worked with him for a little bit, uh, taught me how to program a little bit. Um, and then from there, once I was kind of at the six month mark and like finally clearing, I can start to get back in activities a little bit from my ACL. Um, school wasn't over yet. I hadn't graduated yet. Um, so I went and interned for like a private sector gym. It was called 440 Performance. Um, and this was in Green, Ohio. It was about 20 minutes, 20 minutes away from Canton. So worked there the rest of the semester, loved it, um, got better, learned to a ton, learned a ton from exercise selection, learned a ton from field work, speed training, power training. Um, you know, obviously the, the weight room, I, I just got more involved with it there and, and actually got on the floor coaching athletes, which is probably the biggest thing I needed. So once I graduated um, from Malone in 2015, it was like, all right, how do I become a college strength coach? Like I've seen what it looks like from a private sector side in a gym, contracted out through a high school. But the only thing I hadn't seen was the collegiate setting at the highest level. And that's what I wanted to get into. Like, I was not just going to settle for going to Rinky-Dink State University and going to intern there and trying to make it all work out. Like, I wanted to get in, get in the thick of college athletics and in the thick of the SEC football. So I went to a place that I had no connections at, I had never been to that area, um, but to this day, the greatest decision of my life. I went to Mississippi State University and interned there over the summer of 2015. Um, and so that was the biggest challenge for me, uh, because if you're doing an internship, like you're, you're not making any money, like you're completely unpaid. And so fortunately for me, another interesting story kind of going back, we worked for moving companies. Oh, we did. You remember this? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So I have to I have to bring it back. So Blaine and I used to work for a moving company. This was my summer job. This was just like a side hustle for me just to make some extra cash. Um, and I saved all of it. Like every single dollar that I made from that moving company that we worked at. Uh, I, I saved, and that's how I was able to afford that internship. Um, so I like by the time I started working at state, I mean you're you're paying for rent. I mean it's like you have to pay your own way to get down there. So I 
got an apartment. It was a three bed, three bath, and times are different. I mean, you can get a three bed, three bath apartment in Mississippi for eight fifty a month. You will not find that anywhere today. Like right, there's right. no shot. Right. Three bed, three bath. Um, it was probably around twelve hundred square feet, which I mean it was small, but I mean we literally weren't home at all. Like you're literally I mean, you'll find out that the strength coach hours, you're literally up from, you know, four, four thirty in the morning and you're not done until like, you know, six, seven o'clock at night sometimes. Right. Um, so, uh, saved up money, got to Mississippi state interned there. I lived with six guys in that three bed, three bath house, <laughs> six of us. So we split the, dude, we made it cheap. Like we, <laughs> we were dirt balls there. Like we just, we did whatever we could to make it work. Um, so it was two guys a room. And we just split it. I think we ended up paying like 150 a month. So it was super cheap. We all split internet. We all split utilities. And we just made it work. I don't even think we had, uh, we definitely didn't have cable. I think one of us had a TV. Like it was just like complete, just guys living in a house. You can imagine how messy that was. Right. Um, so worked at Mississippi State uh, for eight months. And just the whole Mississippi State experience was awesome. So I worked for a guy um, at Mississippi State. His name was Rick Court. His name is Rick Court. That was. His name is Rick Court. Um, the most passionate, um, the most detailed, the most structured um, human being I've probably ever been around. He thrives in chaos. Like, that's who he is. Like, you put him in the most chaotic environment possible, like, he's going to thrive in that. Um, and so to be able to intern for him, and to see where his assistants have gone um, and to be around it. Cause like he had been a head, I mean, he currently was a head strength coach in the SEC. I mean, the four assistants on staff there, one of them is Nick Savage, who uh, I love him to death. I worked for him at Florida. I worked for him at Ole Miss. I would do anything for him. Zach Ackenberger, who you know, he worked with him at Florida, worked with him at, uh, at Ole Miss. We have a good relationship together. He's the director of sports science there, but then he's also like a strength coach. Like that's what he is. Like he does sports science, but he's also a strength coach. Um, On that staff was also Nico Pazzetti, who's now the head strength coach of Cincinnati. Uh, Brady Collins was on that staff, who's now the head strength coach at the University of Wisconsin. But like I just got involved around training. Like I was just around dudes. So to be able to watch a bunch of dudes who were like, in my opinion, like one of the best stabs in the country to be able to sit there and just watch them go to work every single day. Like that was an awesome environment for a 22 year old. Um, so I was like a sponge, like everything that those guys did, how they walked, how they talked, like I just did it, how they coached, the juice, the passion, everything. Like I just got so enamored with training. Um, and through that whole experience, um, so coach court left, took the job at Maryland. Um, coach Savage got promoted to the head strength coach, uh, which was unheard of. He was 26 years old, I think, at the time, and they promoted him to the head strength coach in the SEC. Um, And it's in the toughest conference in the SEC. It's in the SEC West. And so you're playing up against Alabama every week. You're going to play against Texas A&M. You're going to play against uh, Ole Miss every week. You're going to play against uh, Auburn. You're going to play against LSU. Like, all those schools are in the West. That is the, like, premier conference in college football and he's the head strength coach of an SEC team at 26 years old it's unheard of but that speaks to who he is not only as a person but as a strength coach 
but anyway, I left, went to Maryland. I worked there for three years for Coach Court. He's awesome. Uh, him and I still we're, we're still close to this day. Um, literally, almost every job I've ever gotten has been because of him. Like he is one of my best friends in the profession. He's a mentor for me. Um, everything that I've learned uh, about strength training and, and, and coaching, I've kind of gotten from him. Now, obviously, as I've gone on in the profession, like I've evolved and I've, I've learned and I've adapted to the times and things like that. But my first, uh, my first group of training was through him. So worked there for three years. Uh, I left, went to Iowa State for, uh, University just for a season. I worked for Coach Rudy Wade. Uh, he was awesome. Again, when you talk about like the discipline, the standard, the culture of everything that, you know, what we had in high school, like he had there. Um, in Iowa State. So he was awesome to work for. Um, and then I left there after a year, went to the University of Florida. And that's when I got back with Coach Savage and Ackenberger and those guys. And, and I met one of my best friends, Tanner Marr. You met him. Yep. Um, met him. He was awesome. Just that staff was awesome. And just to see for me how much Coach Savage has evolved from the program back when it was back in 2015 when I first met him uh, was so cool. I learned so so much from that staff, uh, that, that COVID year that we had in 2020. Um, and it's honestly kind of rooted to the way that I coach now, just from that one year that I had at Florida. Um, so after that year at Florida, and I'm, I'm rushing through details, um, but I'm also hitting the main parts. Yeah. Um, after that year at Florida, I left. I became a first-time head strength coach at the University of Massachusetts. So how that kind of happened was, the offensive coordinator when I was at Maryland, Walt Bell, uh, he was the head coach at, at UMass, the head football coach there. His strength coach left, took a job at another university. And so he called me out of the blue and asked me if I was interested in interviewing for the job. And I was like, coach, heck yeah. Like, I already know you. Like, we're good. Like, I'm ready to roll. So I flew down there, saw the place, met the staff. Great people, great staff. Um, loved it. and so. I told him, I was like, coach, I'm ready to roll. Like, let's make it happen. First time at strength coach. I'm 28 at this time. And so that 2021 year made it work. Finally sitting in the chair, you know, uh, pinnacle of, of most people's careers to be a head strength coach. So was there for a year and it was awesome. I loved it. Those kids were awesome. Like those kids were tough. Like they worked hard. Um, I talked to all those kids to this day, like guys like Jared Pilata, uh, guys like Ray Powell, Josh Wallace, like all those kids were good kids. Um, and, and, so, and even the specialists, like some of the specialists were probably some of my favorite dudes on the team. Um, but then after that year there, uh, we were unfortunately let go. Um, and so a new staff came in, uh, which is very normal in college athletics. It's actually what happened at, you know, me leaving after a year's, you know, staff transition. But a new staff came in. Uh, Don Brown is now the head coach there. Um, met with him and he immediately was like, AT, like I've heard enough good things about you. Like your quality of work kind of speaks for itself. Uh, you're going to roll. And so for me, first time head strength coach, new staff change. Like when you're going through that, like it's nerve wracking. Like you don't know if you're going to have a job. You don't know if you're going to get let go. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. And so when you first meet him and you first meet the new head coach and again, like coach Brown has been around the block so long. I mean, the guy's been a DC at Michigan before he had just came from Arizona. 
He's been a head coach before. Like, this is an experienced head coach and a legend in the New England area. So I got to meet him, shake his hand. Um, he is as first class as first class can be. He treated me with respect. He treated my assistants with respect. He treated everyone that was a part of the previous staff with respect. Um, that's something that I'll forever take with me because I don't think enough people do that is when a staff transition happens, they just say, you know what, I'm just going to bring in my own people and I'm just going to do away with you. Right. He didn't do that. And so that was awesome for me. He was like, you don't have to worry about a thing. So I'm recruiting. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm training the guys like normal, like I'm rolling. And then at this same time, coach Savage, who was down at Florida staff transition happened there. They got let go, but he ended up getting the job at Ole Miss. And so I still had a job. Um, and he calls me out of the blue and he's like, Hey, how, how you doing? And if you know, coach Savage just got this deep raspy voice. He's like, Hey, hey, T, how you doing, man? And I'm like, Oh, I'm good, coach. I'm still rolling here. Like still rocking and rolling. He's like, Hey, I uh, wanted to know if you'd be interested in coming to Ole Miss. And I was like, you know what? He's like, I just got the job there. And I'm like, Oh shoot. Like I, I got to really think about this one because again, like I'm a head strength coach. Um, and financially speaking, I was like, I had just bought a house. Like, I was making a lot more money, like all the things that like the world was considered successful. Like I was, I was thriving. Like I was good. Right. Um, but for me, like I loved coach Savage that much. Like he is that genuine of a human being where I would literally, if something happened to me, like I know that I could always call him and he'll be there. Right. Like I know, like he is, one of the best people, one of the best mentors, like he's freaking awesome. And so when he called me and offered the job, um, it, it wasn't a financial thing. It, it wasn't um, because I knew the type of person he was. And so it wasn't an immediate no brainer. I, I really had to think that one through. Um, but if I was going to go be an assistant again, I told myself like, there's no other person that I'm going to go leave a head strength coach job to be an assistant for other than coach Savage. Um, so keep that in mind. I tell myself, 2021, if I'm going to leave UMass to go be an assistant again, like I'm riding it out. You're going like, so to stay point, an assistant forever until you get the next head job. That's my thought process. That's my thought process. Is I'm going to stay an assistant. Like I'm going to, like if Coach Savage is there for 10 years, like, and, and I, nothing else has come along, like I'm there for 10 years, like I'm rolling. Uh, and so, you know, Ole Miss was obviously awesome. Like, I got to be back in the SEC, got to work for Coach Kiffin. That was a great experience. Uh, we started off 7-0, and uh, and we were ranked in the top 10 in the country. And this is a team that was coming off their first 10-win season in, like, decades. Um, and so we had the opportunity to do that again. So we're 7-0, and we're rolling. We lose to LSU, but we still got a shot at the conference. We still got a shot at all of our hopes and dreams. And then we just kind of sputter. And we actually finished 8-5. and five. Um, and so we, you know, obviously we go through the whole bowl game and, um, my phone, you know, we finished the bowl game and I'm wrapping up and my phone rings, you know, goes off and it's a, it's an Ohio address. And, uh, you know, I don't have this number saved or anything like that. And I pick it up and I'm hello. He's like, is this AT? And I'm like, yeah, who's this? And he's like, this is coach Mick Marotti. And I immediately just eyes wide just holy crap like i am on the phone with coach mick Marotti. um i want to stop and, you there real quick for for people yeah. listening 
and don't know who Coach McMurati is, explain a little bit yeah. to who this who this man is. So, I'll put it to you in short. Every person that I've ever worked with, or almost every person, almost every person that I've ever worked with or worked for has worked for or been mentored by or learned from Coach Mick. So, like, all the great strength coaches of today, like, the origin of that is Coach Mick. So, if you had to put that in a comparison to strength, like, strength conditioning to like a football coach's realm like on one hand you have like coach Saban and like all that he's accomplished from like a coaching standpoint the strength coach comparison of that is coach Mick uh he is like that like his name carries that much weight when it comes to the the strength conditioning profession so that's who I'm on the phone with and again eyes are just lighting up and I'm just like holy crap like I he's like yeah just you know, want to see how you were doing, you know, we got a spot open, I'm sure you know, and, you know, I've heard a lot of great things about you, and I wanted to know if you'd be interested in coming up to Ohio State, and I didn't know how to respond, like, I literally didn't, because, like, I was so close with the guys on staff with, like, Coach Savage was who I was working for, uh, Coach Ack, Coach Jordan Sims, like, all those guys, like, we were all close, like, those were some of my best friends, and so for me, to leave those solid relationships, to leave Ole Miss, um, and to go to something that's unknown, um, that was hard for me at first. Um, but then the more people I talked to, uh, it was just like, dude, like, why are you like, come on, like, Coach Mick, like, it's Ohio State, like, wh- why is this even a thought? Like, what are you, what are you thinking about? Like, what makes this hard? Um, and so for me, my thought process has always been, it, and it will forever remain never take a job based on the logo alone Mm. because the logo isn't as glamorous. If the people behind the logo aren't that glamorous either, does that make sense? So a university is just a name. Like it's just a building with four walls, but if the people inside the building with the four walls aren't great people, the environment that you're in is not going to be that great. I had a great environment at Ole Miss. So obviously I heard a lot of amazing things about coach Mick. But it was still uncharted water for me. Um, I had comfort at Ole Miss. I had something new. Um, so I took a chance. And three weeks in, and I love it. Like, this has been, like, one of the most awesome experiences that I've ever been a part of. I've gotten engulfed around so much technology. Like, there's, like that's the thing. It's just, like, even Coach Savage told me when I was to- toiling with this decision. He was like, if you're trying to compare apples to apples, it's not. Like, no place will ever compare to Ohio State. Like, what Ohio State has from a resource standpoint, from a technology standpoint, from a people standpoint, like, you can't replicate that. Right. Uh, like, he was straightforward. Like, so many people were like, oh, dude, like, it's, it's, that's where we all learned it from. Like, it's the same thing. Like, Coach Savage is like, no, like, it's, it's not the same. Like, it's not the same because it's Ohio State. And Ohio State, they can do things that other, other you know, programs can't. Um, and so that's how I got here and I love it. That's so. a, that's an incredible journey to go for. Like you're talking about <laughs> the, long it was, but I, I like the depth that you went into that and it brought up a lot of things I want to kind of touch on a little bit. Um, I mean, first off the amount of universities that you spoke about that you were involved with work for in that short period of time, like you've only been a strength and conditioning coach for eight years and you, yep. 
you you named off six, seven different universities that you've been with. And yep. to somebody that doesn't understand the strength and conditioning aspect and like what that career field means, especially at the university level, like private sector is much different than the university level, uh, especially when you're talking about pi- power five schools and different conferences like that, that you've been involved with. I th- like how normal is that, that being a strength and conditioning coach means you pretty much have to be having an eye on the next step on like what possible job you're going to need to apply for or what possible place you're going to need to move to and like not knowing that like, okay, my, my roots are here right now, but that doesn't mean that they're here forever because this job is a very not volatile job, but it's just like, there's so much uncertainty on the future that on like a lot of things that basically aren't in your control either. Like your, your job is, is going to be tied to how that school's record is that day, which you don't directly have an impact on that all the time. Yeah. So how, how normal is the journey that you had? And compared to colleagues and friends and people that you know in that same field, yeah, it's extremely normal. Um, I would say what. So, if I compare it to someone who's similar to me, um, one of my good friends is now down at Ole Miss, Coach Ackenberger, Zach Ackenberger. So, obviously, when you're GA and you know, and you you come up through your route of how you however you land your first assistant job, you know, he was at. Mississippi State for four years. So you know you got four years at a place. Right? And then he left, right? Coach Mullen got the job at Florida and was there for another four years. So that is what I would consider longevity in a job. Four years. Four years. Yeah. Like, that's, I've never spent four years at one place. And I would say that my route's pretty normal. Um, and and it's, it's just like you said, like, as a sport performance coach, like we don't have a direct impact on wins and losses, right? But we're tied to it, right? And so the, the hard part is, is like as much as you want to say like, oh, like I'm gung-ho or I'm, I'm excited about working at Ohio State like, or I'm excited about working at, you know, Alabama or Texas A&M or this or that. Like for me, like you have, if, if you want to be a really good strength coach or you want to be really good at something, like the reason you can't be behind it is because you're tied to that university because the chances of you having longevity at that university are almost none. I mean, I mean, Deion Sanders said it really, really good. He said, I think he said it the best the other day when he left and took the job for Colorado, he was like, you better move out on your own before they move you out Mm. or something along those lines. He was like, you better push out and get, get your own job essentially before they push you out is, is what he was trying to say. Right. And I think that's almost a perfect example. Like you almost have to be ready. It's like, oh shoot, like the season's not going the way you thought it was going to go. You're not winning. The writing's kind of on the wall. You better start looking for another move. Um, I've never really been one to just job hunt, to just job hop. Like that's not ever my goal. My my goal is to invest in people. Like, and I think like that's why I've always like my reputation or or whatever. Like whenever people ask, oh, how's AT? Like they're never saying truly negative things. They're not saying like, oh, he's a bad dude. Like he's in it for the wrong reasons. Like my reasons for being a strength coach is because I wanted to invest in people. Like I wanted to train dudes. Like I wanted to train like collegiate athletes. Like that's what I wanted. And that thing has never changed. Like no job title can change that. No financial backing can change that. 
no university can change that. So no matter where I'm at, like I'm going to invest in my players. Um, and so I think honestly for me, that's why I've been able to bounce back on my feet when I've gotten let go from jobs is because people are able to call and say really good things about me. That was going to, yeah, it does. And that was going to bring up something that I wanted to talk about is like with the amount of moves that you've made and obviously the places you've been, the people that you met, one thing that seems to have kind of like remained consistent across the board is you've been able to kind of like cultivate relationships with people in a way that they can see that this is a solid dude, regardless of whatever the outcome of this season may be. That doesn't mean that he can't perform his job. How important is that kind of alignment with the people that you've worked with and building those relationships and having that able to kind of fall back on for your career? Yeah, I think it's critical. Um, so now that I've been a head guy, um, you know, I've done it for a year. I haven't had the experience of some other people, but just sitting back and knowing um, stabs that I've been a part of one and then stabs that I've had. The most important thing that I look for when I look to hire people or when we're, when I'm on a staff as an assistant and we're hiring people is fit. Like how well do they actually get along with their coworkers? Like, I want to know, are you a good dude? Because like programming wise, like the people that we've worked with, the people that I know, like when I was at Ole Miss, when I was at Florida, like there's smart enough people in the building where we can kind of figure things out how we want to program or we have our system in place of how we typically do things. Right. And it evolves over the year, over the years. But for, for us and every staff that I've been a, ever been a part of, it's like, dude, like we just want to know if you're a good human being. Like we just want to know if we could, you know, go grab a beer with you or have you over at the house and grill for you and just be a normal dude. Like, or are we going to have to sit straight and narrow and have to have our shirts and all this stuff? Like we, like we just want to be around quality human beings. And I think when you invest your staff around quality human beings, that same aura, that same presence, that same, you know, human being that you're having among your staff, like those same qualities are going to come out amongst your players, which is what you want. Like Coach Court's one, Coach Court, one of the first lessons I learned from him is if your players can start to take on the personalities of your strength coaches, typically you have a good thing. And what we always had as strength coaches, we always had high juice strength coaches. We always had strength coaches who worked hard, who trained hard, who were disciplined with high characters. Like those were all the qualities that coach, that coach court always looked for in us. And if our players can a lot of times take over those qualities that we have, like if they can have some juice, now everyone's juice level is going to look a little bit different. Like I got more personality than some of the other guys on staff. Like some of the guys on our staff have more personality than me. But whatever your qualities are, if you can bring them about in your own little way, if you can do that amongst 110 or 120, 130 odd guys that you got on your team, chances are you probably got a pretty good thing. Right. You know, I've always heard that you're the average of, you know, the people that you hang out with the most. Um, and so if you hang out around high quality people, chances are you're probably going to be a high quality person. Mm. If you hang out around crap, chances are you're probably going to be crap. Mm. And that's so. absolutely true, regardless of what field or profession or life that you live so applies it applies to everything yeah doesn't matter where like throughout your journey like obviously moving is a stressful environment just coaching and having that expectation that performance needs to be high is a stressful environment a lot of what you do is kind of teetering on that line of like you're always 
going to be in some variation of a stressful environment? And what are some things that you find that you've done or that you've learned from others or that maybe like your staffs or like your colleagues and stuff that what do you guys do to kind of bring yourself back from that stressful environment? Mm, good question. Yeah. I think the thing for me is honestly, I, I as cliche as this is, you know, people always say, I'll just be in the moment, be in the moment, be in the moment. But that's honestly, truly what I try to do. Um, so when I'm at work, like I'm at work, like I work hard. Um, and when you're not doing well, like the thing, especially like you, you, you take the season that we had at UMass when we got let go. Like the message to the players was to keep working, like to keep having discipline, to keep having standards, to keep having culture. Because at the end of the day, doesn't matter really what the results are. If your process is elite, the results will come. Right. So you always try to preach to your athletes just like you would preach to yourself, like to stay process oriented, right? To to still be about the right things, to still have discipline, right? To still work extremely hard, to still do the best you can very like you can do the best on an everyday basis, to be the best you can be, right? That's personal, right? It's not necessarily striving to be like number one, like overall in the country. Those things will happen. But if you on a day to day basis can answer the question, did I give my best? did I get my best? Mm. Then at the end of the day, like I'm okay with that because I like that. It's harder when you deal with insecure people, but I'm secure enough. Like I'm secure in who I am. So I know that like, sure, we might get let go. Like that's real. We really might, but I'm also not tied to my job. Right. I can go and find something else. Like I'm good. Like I can go and find something else. Like I, I can't like I, as much as I love, being a strength coach, like I, and trust me, I do, but you know what? Like if I want to go run a business one day, or if I want to open up my own gym, a lot less, you know, there's still stress in that. I was not here sitting here saying that there's no stress in that learning what I've learned from you. There's still stress in that, but it's not like a wins and, and losses results stress. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's, there's no and performance I, aspect that's going to fire you from that because it's yours. Exactly. Like if I own my own, like, so that's that's always been my thing it's like i'm secure in who i am like i am like not gonna add any extra stress to an already stressful job because i'm worried about the next step or i'm worried about this like i'm secure like i'm good it's only a problem if you're insecure where did you learn that from because obviously you don't just get your first job at mississippi state and you're like all right like you your mindset obviously has evolved over the experiences that you've had and is part of the reason why you're at where you're at now at Ohio State. Where did you learn that where it's like my focus needs to be that me being okay with myself because the, I know that future outcomes are out of my control. Like where is that kind of coming from or where did you learn that from throughout your path? Yeah, that's, that's for me, that's faith. Like that's, that's, that's the word of God. That's just me uh, getting in my word staying in my Bible, reading. Um, and so, like I said, I'm still really close with all of my college coaches who <laughs> they did a really good job of preparing me for this because we were not very good in college. <laughs> so this kind of came naturally for me because I think in four years, we might have won like five games. So I, I'm actually kind of experienced in this. But here's what they tried to teach us. Like, and that's why, like, I'm so close with all of my college coaches because those are my roots. Like that's where I 
that's where I first learned it is because they were like, you know what? Like, even if we don't win games, like obviously like you want to win games, the goal is to win games. Like we're, we're going to work as hard as we can. Like we're going to do everything that we can. Like we just are like, we're going to work. But at the end of the day, like we still love you guys as coaches that that was their message to us Mm. at the end of the day. Like we still love you guys. And at the end of the day, like who you guys are as human beings, who you guys are as people, that's not tied to a record. Like we, we still love you. We're still going to treat you right. Like we're still going to do right by it. Um, the, the main people that I've been around in this profession that can say those things that can do those things and live those things out are, are people, um, who live a life according to the life of Jesus, who, who, who read their word, who, who study daily. I mean, that's just what I've been around the most. Um, you know, that's why I'm incredibly thankful for my coaches. Um, because without them, without people like Coach T, and you remember Coach T, old crazy Coach T back in the day. Good old Coach without T. People, I, you do. Because without people like him, it's like, dude, like, what would I be? Like, what would my mindset be if I was still as immature as I was back in high school? Yeah. Oh, and man. honestly, like, a lot of those things I learned from you. I learned from you, too. Like, you think about, like, the discipline, the structure of not feeling good every single day. Like, you're not going to feel good. Like, you're, some days you're not going to feel like working. Like, you're not. Like, you're not going to win every game. Like, you're just not. Like, it's impossible. Like, even here at Ohio State, like, they didn't win. Like, you're just not going to win. So, at the end of the day, when you fail, what do you have to sit back on? What do you have to fall back on? Mm. Is it your discipline? Is it your standards? Is it your principles? Is it who you are as a person? If you're a Bible believer, if you're a faith-based person, is it Jesus? Like, who is it? Like, what is it? Mm. You know? If you put all your eggs in one basket and winning and losing and results, uh, probably not going to be a very happy person. Mm. So that, that that was put incredibly. I think that like because I know you as a person as well, and I've seen you from a fourteen-year-old kid to like you said, five to one hundred fifteen pounds, soaking wet, <laughs> trying to figure out what, yeah, trying to figure out how to do a, a back squat to now you've had the opportunity to coach some of the best athletes that the country has to provide. And some of these athletes are going to go on and be probably the best athlete, best athletes that, you know, of their generation in whatever sport that they're going to. So like the way that you put that, knowing who you are, it fits perfectly to who I know you as a person as well. And I think that just speaks volumes to like that you're able to be where you're at right now because you've had that faith to fall back on. You've stayed true to yourself. You've made those connections and people have also been able to kind of see that. And like you were saying, like when, when people are looking to hire new staff, their biggest thing is, is this going to be a good dude? And is this going to be someone that we want to spend 16 hours a day with? Because like we haven't touched on, on that, but like the, the grind of a strength coach is you're going to be surrounded by five, seven guys for, 12, 14, 16 hours a day for almost yep. every day throughout the year. Like you guys get a week off for vacation, right? Yep. Yeah. And then the rest of the time you're just back there. So that dynamic and, and being a good person is got to be like the foundation of who you are. And that definitely is for yourself. So like the way you put that was just incredible. Um, with something that you, you touched on and talking about like, you just want to coach athletes and you want to impact people and you want to be able to give back to them. 
um, you have also kind of started a path of like helping out future coaches and doing things for them as well with the sports yeah. performance mentorship program. Um, yep. And that's also with some colleagues that you've worked with before in the past and some friends of yours. Yeah, I need to give credit where it's due on that one. But let's let's talk a little bit about SPMP and kind of give them a shout out because I think I, I did the program and went through it and like the information that you guys give, I think sets an expectation for anybody who is even thinking about strength and conditioning, regardless of what level you're going to be at. Like you could be D3, D1, private sector, whatever it is, the principles, the things that you guys teach, the way that you guys talk about going through an interview process and that staff alignment and all that kind of stuff is going to correlate even outside of the strength and conditioning world, like just looking for a career or looking to find a partner or whatever it might be. Like there's a lot of things in there that are very fluid and can kind of go throughout life left and right. Um, so let's talk about SPMP, how it started, what you guys are doing and, and everything with them. Yeah. So the internship program um, that we've kind of been running is, is it's evolved over the years. Uh, the origination of the internship program, starts with coach Mick. Um, he's always had great strength coaches, always great interns. And then when I got to Mississippi state, I myself was a part of this program. Now the SPMP thing, um, you know, the whole online curriculum that we're currently running, um, that's not a part of this. This is just an in-person experience because that whole thing kind of started once COVID hit mm. the in-person experience of, of where, you know, we're producing great strength coaches. Um, that's coach Mick, that's coach court. That's, you know, coach Brady Collins out at Wisconsin. Those are all those guys, um, investing in, 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 in interns and in young people who want to be strength coaches. And that's how I got started in the profession. So from there, I went up to Maryland. I kind of ran my own internship program and I just followed what all those guys taught me at Mississippi state. So, um, you know, put out really good strength coaches. You know, obviously, well, not obviously, one of the guys I currently work with now, Zach Higgins, he was actually one of my first interns. And so now we're on staff together again. Um, got another guy out at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, uh, Jerry Pasitti. I mean, he's the head strength coach there. Jordan Barber, an assistant at Georgia, Georgia rather. So we put out good strength coaches. That's just from the in-person experience. The online experience um, and really the development of what we currently do now was taken to a whole nother level by Zach Ackenberger, who I worked with at Florida. Um, what he does with the interns is honestly, I've never seen anything like it. No one, I don't think I've ever met a person, A, that works as hard as he does. I really don't. Blaine, I love you to death. Uh, I, I don't think, again, his level of work ethic is something completely different. I honestly think it's inhumane what he does. So this is a guy who works strength coach hours. So imagine working 4.30 in the morning until like 7 o'clock at night. Then he'll go home and fix his car and stay up until like 3 o'clock in the morning and have the whole front bumper ripped off. Or he'll paint his fence. Or um, I I've seen him uh, lay brick pavers. I've even helped him lay brick pavers in his back, back patio. Like when you talk about like a manly man who like works with his hands and like all those different, like that's what Ackenberger is. Like he is just like, a dude like drinks bush light, like works with his hands, like from Toledo, Ohio. Like, like that's what he is. Like he to this day, like challenges me even like working with him at Ole Miss 
Like, I'd be sitting in my office, probably just scrolling on my phone, and we'd be have some do- downtime. And Dad would come up to me, hey, T, what are you reading? I've already read three books this month. Like, what are you doing? I've already read Behave. I've already read that Pete Carroll book on the podcast and this, that, the other. I mean, the dude is like always like moving and doing stuff. And it's incredible. Like, he's awesome. And so to see what he's done with our internship program from a developmental standpoint, I mean, he takes them through a 17 week curriculum. And I mean, you're going to ta- get taught specificity, overload, fatigue management. He's going to teach you an Excel workshop. He's going to teach you how to program. He's obviously going to start with the mental aspect of, of, of training and, and teach you how to, be, how, to, how to have discipline. You're going to read books with him. So you're going to read the book Legacy. You're going to read Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Like, you're going to read. Like, he's going to challenge you. You're going to read articles. Like, he's going to force you to do things that you're uncomfortable with. And it's good. You're going to train. Like, every intern is going to train. Like, we're firm believers that you, you can't be a strength coach or you can't coach your athletes on things you're not even doing. So, like, he makes all of our athletes train and train extremely hard. Like, he'll take them through. Like, I remember the first couple weeks, like, they're going through a hypertrophy block of training. All right, two by eight, they're kind of filling it out, filling it out. Next thing you know, it's three by eight, then four by eight, five by eight, then they're rolling. And then after that, he's like, you know what, we're going to do Tabata. Like, he's done so many different disciplines of training. It's, like, unreal. And he takes all the interns. I remember being on a FaceTime call with you when you were at Ole Miss in the weight room, and you're just like, or no, you were sending me videos because you were doing uh, some lifting. And I've seen Zach in the background. (laughs) And he had these three or four kids just doing, like, they were just grinding back there. And I'm trying to watch you how to do a snatch. And I'm like, oh, man, what is – and I remember messaging. I was like, what is Zach doing back there? Coaching him up. <laughs> so Zach, like he's like I said, like he's one of the hardest working like dudes in the profession that I know. And so like the stuff that he's doing with his interns is awesome. Like like I said, like the seventeen week curriculum, all the programming stuff. Like if you want to learn how to do CSCCA, like program design for that, like he, he's going to teach you that. Um, he's going to teach you how to mock interview. Like it, he's going to take you through that. Um, if you're a young intern, he's going to teach you how to do a cover letter, a resume, like all that good stuff, references. Like he's going to teach you all that stuff. Um, I, like I, I've never been around anything like it. It, it. it is so structured and so detailed oriented. And then how the SPMP, SPMP thing kind of came about was COVID. Um, so there's three of us that run it. It's Zach, obviously, Tanner Marr, who's now an assistant strength coach at the University of Kansas, and then myself. So it's a nine-week or a three-week course. There's nine courses. Um, it's, it's three times a week. And you basically get to learn some concept from a strength coach. So Tanner, he's like our master-level programmer. So he teaches you the principles of, you know, strength training. Of, this is how you program. So he teaches you specificity, overload, fatigue management. It's about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, those are his, his three courses. It's all via Zoom. It's all online. If you miss a session, you can go back and watch it because we record it. Zach's going to take you through uh, cover letters, you know, how to be professional, um, staff develop, like all those different things, like all the nitty gritty stuff that you really don't learn um, by going to a lot of other internship programs. He kind of teaches you the mental aspect of training, like all those different things. Like he goes in depth with you over. And then there's my three weeks where I go over with you staff alignment. Uh, I go over with you, you know, basically my experiences as a, as a head coach, um, you know, it, and just those sorts of things. So, like, 
that, that was the whole thing for us. It was, all right, how can we still coach? How can we still develop during this time of, all right, we're not allowed to be around people. What is our way to still teach our interns to still groom them? And through that is where we've kind of developed the, the SPMP. And really, I, I mean, it's like, I think it's like a hundred and something bucks a month or not a month, a hundred and something bucks, bucks for the course. But really the money that we get from that course, we just give it right back to our interns. So if you want to come intern for us, you know, typically we can pay for your CSCS exam. You know, if we keep running this course, like those are the types of things that we're able to provide for our interns because of that course. So it's not just like we're doing it for money. You know, we don't really see a dime of it. We give it right back to our interns. I think Zach, from a legal standpoint, a legal standpoint, had to pay all of us like 75 bucks. But I'm pretty sure I gave my 75 bucks. I think all of us did. We just gave it to our interns and told them to use that towards their exam. Right. It's truly like a nonprofit thing. Like this is just for development, just for young strength coaches. Where can young strength coaches or people who are looking to do an internship, like what, how can they get access to that? Yeah, so it's literally uh, online. So you just log in, go to the web browser. Uh, it's team.spmp.com. Go and check it out. Like it's, there's also, I mean, Ackenberger, he's got his Twitter handle rolling. Uh, I think it's at team SPMP. Um, we've got an Instagram account, same thing. So we're on, you know, we're on uh, Twitter, we're on Instagram. You can also check us out online. You know, after the video, I can probably link it in, um, you know, to YouTube on this account. If we need to do that, like we'll, we'll make it work. I'll add um, it to the links have, on everything, on the show notes and stuff. Perfect. We'll, we'll add it in. We'll make it work. Um, if you're really interested and you want to reach out to me professionally, um, I can send you my email address. It's just Turner 2077 or tw- Turner.2077 at osu.edu. You can reach out to Coach Ackenberger. I don't know his email address off the top of my hand, but like there's so many different ways if you're really interested and you're a young strength coach and you want to get involved that we can get you connected. Um, either here at Ohio State with us or if you want to go down and Ole Miss and, and, eat, and intern with him, like freaking awesome. I highly encourage that um, because both are going to be beneficial. So that's awesome. I think that's incredible what you guys are doing, trying to bring up the next generation with the coaches and everything. Uh, what we're getting close to the end. We've been on for about an hour. Feels like we've been talking for about 20 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> one thing I do want to say is <clears throat> I've been asked many times, just like because throughout my athletic career and coaching and having my opportunities that I've had just being an athlete for the most part. Um, you know, I've done podcasts and I've just done interviews and I've just shot the shit and talked with people. And a lot of times they're like, what is one thing that you're most proud of? And whether it be like your coaching or athletic career. And one thing that I always comes to mind is you and the story that you from high school were the, one of the first athletes that kind of bought in. And I remember it started off with just you and I training together and then you just got addicted to it. And that be, like, at 15 year old, you knew the path that you wanted to go down. And the thing that I'm most proud of is seeing the career that you've built for yourself, going from playing high school football to playing college football to going through the grind of the internship. And I remember getting messages from you about the days that you hated it and how much of a grind it was. And, but you still <laughs> loved it, even though you hated it on certain days and seeing the, the work that you've put in 
to get to the point where you're at now, like you said, like you're with Coach Mick, like the guy when it comes to strength and conditioning and like what you want to be. And I just want, like, I don't know if I've ever said this to you personally, but I am extremely proud of the man that you have become, the person you've become and every, like the impact that you're leaving on this space in a very short time and eight years in this career. Like there's guys that have been in this career for 10, 15, 20 years who may not have the same opportunity to leave the same impact as you just from hearing your story and seeing the path that you're going on. So one, it's incredible to see what you've been able to do since I've able to, been able to see it since you were 14 years old. I know yeah. you're going to continue to do great things as you move forward. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing. And I want to say, I absolutely love you. You are a brother of mine. Like I was in your wedding, like, Zach was there. Tanner was there. Those are two great guys. We're all there. Buddy. Yeah. We're all like, there, man. I'm- and you can, you can see that dynamic. And even though I only, like, I think I only got to spend three, four days. Like, we we met up a few days before the wedding. We had some events. We went to the game. We had the wedding, the reception and everything. But even being around just, like, that dynamic is a very, like, you can see that that impact and that bond that you guys have. And, like, even – like with Zach and I, like we only spent 72 hours with each other. But when you guys called me up before the bowl game that night and you guys like, it was just like seeing friends again. And and I think that speaks volumes to just the type of people that you are. And like, like you said, you are a product of who you, you hang around with the most and you've spent a lot of time with those two guys and it shows and it's like speaks volumes to them as well. So again, extremely proud of everything that you've done. And I know you're going to continue to do great things as you go. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I I would definitely say that, uh, I mean, obviously, like, I, I try to live a, a certain lifestyle, but it makes it easier when those two guys, they're as infectious as they are. Like, their personalities are just, well, maybe not Tanner at first. But you have to get to know them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, they're just so easy to get along with. I mean, like you said, like, Seventy-two I felt, I felt hours like with those. Tanner and I were like long-lost relatives. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you would be. <laughs> like we, we, I mean, you, we both kind of felt honestly, each other. Out. We both kind of felt each other out for like the first like half day, and then all of a sudden, after a couple beers yeah. at the game, we were like, "All right, this dude's good. He's a good dude." <laughs> yeah. Dude, he is. He's he's literally. I I'll tell you a story. I wasn't planning on telling the story. So after I got the call. And I told Coach Bell I was going up to UMass. You know, I'm going to UMass. Keep in mind, so Zach I knew from Mississippi State. But I was an intern. And when you're an intern, you don't have, like, the relationship with the full-time coaches that, like, they have with themselves. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Like, is. you're an intern. You're a lower. Like, that is what it is. It's right. fine. Yep. And I get it. I'm cool. But I was only there for eight months. Right? So, fast forward. I work at Florida 2020. Keep in mind, that was 2015. So that was five years earlier when I interned. Fast forward, go to Florida 2020, worked at Florida for one year. So I had only known Tanner for one year. Also keep in mind, 2020 was the COVID year. So everything was shut down. Like there was, you couldn't, now it's Florida, so it's a little bit different. Yeah. Some stuff, <laughs> some stuff was still open. But for the most part, like we weren't going to work every single day. Like we weren't, like we worked from January. I remember we were going to start 
like we had a team meeting on a Wednesday. We were going to start spring football the following Monday when Coach Mullen told us everything shut down. Grab your stuff out of your offices. Grab your stuff out of your locker rooms because we're going to be shut down and we're going to be shut down for a while. So I worked there for what, two months, January, February, March, or February, March, essentially worked there for two months. We got shut down. We came back in like May, I think June. Right. And then like, keep in mind, like when we first got there from COVID, like, at, like six feet, like you don't get close to a person. Right. Like as soon as somebody touches something, you got to spray it down. You got to wash it. Like, you don't know what that person has. You've got to wear a mask. You never see their face. That was most of my interaction with Tanner. We, we also, once COVID, and again, it's Florida, so you don't exactly abide by the rules. <laughs> but once, <laughs> once COVID kind of like ceased to exist a little bit, um, we obviously were training partners. Like we, we lifted together, together every single day. Um, like literally every day, like we'd squat, we'd bench, we, we, we just did everything together. We'd heavy farmer's walk, heavy lunge, like that's all stuff Tanner would have me doing, like we just did. Um, but like, I was only with Tanner and Zach really that year, if you take off, like because of COVID, like work environment, like we worked together, what, eight months, really, that whole year, and we're spaced out. I took the job at UMass. Those two guys, and Iman, here's the thing. So every road trip I've ever, or every job I've ever got, Imani's always been on my road trip. Imani flies out, meets me in Florida. He's at the house. And we're having pizza and beer, and it's just like four dudes in the house. And next thing you know, Tanner and Zach, and Coach Savage even swung by too. Tanner and Zach are about to leave. And Imani's just like, bro, like what you guys have is different. You just see three grown men, like a triangle, just hugging each other emphatically and crying because I'm about to leave. All after working together for only about eight months, really. Right. That's how close we were. Like, that's how special it was. Imani, who came out for like a day, um, saw how close we had gotten in that short amount of time. Like, that's how good of dudes we were. That's the special bond that we had. Like, those two guys right there, Zach and Tanner, like, those guys, like, I will ever, forever be grateful for. Um, so, special, special. That's awesome. I think that's a, that's a great story to end the podcast on. So, appreciate you taking the time out, chatting. It's always nice to sit down and talk to you, regardless if it's podcast or just random FaceTime calls when 3 Love in the morning it. before the bowl game. <laughs> 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 Three in the morning for you, but you're five hours ahead of us, so it was perfect. Yeah, true. So I appreciate it. All right, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify and YouTube. Eventually, maybe Apple Podcasts if they ever figure out how to let me in. But I appreciate it. <laughs>